0: preach. And I'm thankful to spend some time with your pastor. Uh, it's, been, it's been adventurous, as you can imagine, Anytime that's anyone that's spent some time with pastor, your pastor. And uh, there's two things uh, that I see when I see your pastor, uh, two attributes that I desire. Every time I see him, he's excited. Like, the man has a ridiculous amount of energy. But more so, he's excited about God. And he's excited about the things of God. And then secondly, he's excited about people. Coming from our church, when he the service he left, our pastor had a testimony time. And I'm pretty sure half the church got up and was like, Brother Pyle's my best friend. Me included. <laughs> like He's like, no, he's my best friend. And he has a way of just allowing you to let your guard down and you to be you. But he doesn't. he's not just satisfied with you being you. He's always trying to push me in a way, encourage me to be better. He has been one of the biggest encouragers in my life, and he continues to do that. And I'm, I'm extremely grateful to be able to preach here. But like I said, this is the G League. So if you take your Bible and turn to Genesis chapter number 12, if you'd stand for the reading of his word, We'll go both in Genesis chapter number 12, and then if you could just save Hebrews chapter 11. We'll start off in Genesis chapter 12. The Bible says Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham, uh, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. Now if you turn over to Hebrews 11, Hebrews chapter 11, we'll just look in one verse, verse eight. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive the inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. Father, I am grateful for this opportunity. Lord, I ask that you just use me as a vessel. You'd speak through me. You'd guide my lips and guide my tongue. Lord, help me to only say what you desire me to say. Lord, I'm grateful for your people being in your house and ask that each individual would be able to take some truth that's brought tonight, Lord, and apply it to their life. I ask that you be with the staff as they're away, Lord, that you would use it and that it would be a profitable time for this church, Lord, that you would use it to grow them and strengthen them. And Lord, you'd be with the unity and strengthen it as well. Lord, we love you and we're grateful for the day. We ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we start off in Genesis and I want to just highlight a couple, uh, a little bit of background. In Genesis 3, we have the fall in the garden. You have Adam and Eve, and they decide that they want to be gods. They show themselves prideful, and we have the first sin committed. Then we find Cain killing Abel. Here we go again. Cain's pride is showing its ugly face, so much so that he kills his own brother, then after that, we find that the flood happens, that God destroys the entire world. And right after that is where we come to our text in verse number 11, is, uh, in chapter 11. It's a familiar passage, the Tower of Babel. And if you go ahead and look in chapter number 11, and we want to look and take a look at where their pride is in verse number 4, the Bible says, oh, well, actually look in verse number 1. It says, "In the whole earth was one language and of one speech. I would like to live in that day. There are some times that I'm just like, I'm trying to make a phone call, and I just want to speak with someone that understands me. And it doesn't happen. And there's that barrier. But there wasn't in chapter 11, verse number 1. And now go to verse 4. It says, and they said, go to... Let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto the heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. I want you to notice in verse number four, the pride that we find. It says, go to let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach the heavens. Why? and let us make us a name. Man, you look at that, and you're like, man, whoa. Sorry, I turned on Siri. Not used to preaching out of the iPad. I told Brother Jonathan that. So, when you you come to that, you look at that, and you're like, man, these guys are crazy. In their minds, they think they're going to build a tower to heaven, and the sole purpose in it is so that they can make a name for themselves. And I read that, and I'm like, these fools, these jokers. And God convicts you sometimes when you're like, why would people do that? And God says, well, isn't it true that sometimes you try to make a name for yourself? That maybe it's not that you're trying to make a name, but you're trying to live or put out a personification of what type of person you are. You do it by the type of job you have, or you do it by the type of vehicle you drive, or you do it by the type of house that you live in. And the reality is that there's something in each individual person that wants to make a name for themselves. And sometimes we go to acts that seem ridiculous, like building a tower to heaven. What do these acts look like? Well, they honestly look like working too much taking job that will keep you out of church. And all because you were like, well, well, if I can just make a little more money, if I could get that car or I could get that house and finally I will arrive and people will look at me and they're like, well, man, they're doing good. And we do it all because of pride. And it's all pride. And because of that, they face the consequences. And you look in verse 9. It says, therefore, is the name of the city Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth. And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. The Lord said, you know what, you want to do this? I'm going to create utter confusion, utter chaos. And exactly what they were hoping wouldn't happen in verse number 4, At the end of verse four, it says, lest we be scattered abroad, the face of the whole earth. Exactly what they didn't want to happen. God says, you know what? Because of your pride, that's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you exactly what you didn't ask for. I'm going to give you the opposite. And you're going to face the consequences of not being able to understand each other and being scattered all around the world all because of your pride. You go to verse Number 10, and you're coming off this story of the Tower of Babel, and then you get to verse number 10, and you're like, hold on. What? These are the generations of Shem. We go from a story to a genealogy. And when I first read it, I'm like, "Uh, what am I missing? And so far from chapter number 3 all the way to chapter number 11, all we've seen is the decline of man, the decline of man, the decline of man. And it's all because of our pride. God says, you know what? The more prideful the human race is, the more decline the human race will face. The decline of humanity will happen. And it got to the point that God said, you know what? In verse number 10, after all the decline, I'm going to provide a way out. God's redemption plan, it doesn't look like it, but in verse 10 is where God's redemption plan starts. And it starts in a man named Shem. And if you go on and you read through, through all the genealogy up to verse number five, uh, 25, you find, And Nahor lived after he begat Terah 119 years, and begat sons and daughters, And Terah lived 70 years and begat Abram. And this is sort of what brings us to our text. But this isn't where the lineage that we're looking for ends. You see, this lineage of Abraham would go on. It would go on to a man named David. And then it would go on to a man named... It would go on to the Christ. You see... God said, you know what, this is enough. Humanity has gone down deep enough that I need to provide a way of escape. I need to provide a way out. And this right here in verse number 10 is where it started. And we see that God is starting to put in place His plan, His redemptive plan." You go ahead and you look in verse number 29 and it says, And Abram and Nahor took them wives. And Abram's wife, of course, was Sarai. Then you look in verse number 30. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. And I know in Sunday school we were talking about Hannah and Hannah was barren. And this was a thing that was looked down upon in this culture. And... And this verse in verse number 30 is a very strategically placed verse. And it has implications once we get to our text in chapter 12. You'll see why that verse is there. Why it shows us that she is barren. So here we go in, in chapter number 12, verse number 1. And if I can get this thought in your mind for you to just think about throughout this message I think it'll be a challenge to you, and I think it'll be a help. And the thought is simply this. Submitting to the Lord's commands leads to the Lord's blessings. Verse number one, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Now, we look at this verse, and you can easily read through it. Read right past it. Not even spend a lot of time, but think, put yourself in Abrams' shoes right there. You go home today, and you tell your spouse, you tell your wife, you tell your husband, you tell your kids, you tell whoever it is, you say, you know what? I'm moving. I'm selling my house tomorrow. The for sale signs up. I'm giving up everything I had. I know my family's here. I know my father's here. I know my friends, my relationships, my familiarity, my job, my home. Now picture yourself walking in maybe your house like Abraham would have done or his tent. The land that he had, the animals that he had. And God is saying, you know what I want you to do, Abram? I want you to give it all up. That would be like, okay. Did I do something wrong? Like, that's what I would be thinking. All right, God, did, what, what, what did I do wrong? Why are you making me give up all this up? And not only that, but at the end of the verse, he says, unto a land that I will show thee. Like, God's not telling him where he's going. He's not dropping a pen for him. He's not giving him Google Maps. He's not giving him a map to find it. He's just saying, you are going to have to have some faith. You're going to have to trust me. I want you to give up everything and trust what I want for you is better. Now from Abraham's perspective, that's Abram's perspective. that's got to be hard. To, to comprehend all of that and really take that in. Well, verse 2 makes it a little easier. He says, you do this, you obey, you submit to my command. And this is what I'm going to do for you, Abram. And I will make thee a great nation. Now hold on. We read in verse 30, he doesn't even have a son. But God's saying, you know what, Abram? You obey and you submit. And not only will I give you a son, I'm going to give you a nation. And then number two, he says, and I will bless thee. So if that's not enough, if, if, if giving you a nation is not enough, then I'm going to bless you. I don't know what all these blessings were, but I know that I've seen blessings in my life that I know came from God. Things that I'm like, that has to be. That has to be of God. And he says, you know what, Abram, you just you do this, you submit to me, and I'm going to bless you in ways you can't imagine. Number three, he says, I'm going to make thy name great. And I just find it ironic Because in chapter number 12, God's saying, I want to make your name great. And chapter number 11, it's men saying, we want to make our name great. We want this in pride. And God's saying, if you you humble yourself, if you submit to me, then I will lift you up. I will make your name great. Number four, he says, I will bless them that bless you. And curse them that curseth you. Pretty much God is saying, listen, Abraham, you do this, you're willing to obey me, and then I'm going to bless you. And the people that bless you, well, you know what? I'm gonna even bless them. And those people that curse you, don't worry, Abraham. I can heap coals of fire upon their head. I can do whatever it is, but if they curse you, I will take care of it. God is just saying, Abraham, Abram, you do this and I have your back. So God's given him these four, and then the fifth one. I think it's the greatest one of them all. He said, you do this, and I'll use you to bless all families of the earth. And when I first read that, I was like, okay, enlighten me. I need to study this, because I do not see how Abram's going to be able to bless every single family from his time on to my time and to the future, But the way that he's able to do that is because his seed would one day be connected to our Lord and to our God. And through that, all families can be blessed because all families have the opportunity to have salvation. And that is the greatest blessing. Abraham provided a way that each and every one of us can have salvation. That's amazing. So you look at that and you think, well, that doesn't sound so bad. I know, I don't want to leave where I live. I I like my house. I like my home. I like my friends. I think my friends like me, mostly. I like my family. All of our family is in Oklahoma. Just about all of our family. My close friends are in Oklahoma. Now, if I put myself in Abram's position and I walk into my house and I have all my friends there and all my family there, and you're telling me that I have to walk away from all of that, that would, that sobers me up a little bit. That makes me think, man, can, can I really do this? And I can't help think that Abraham might have had some of those same doubts creep into his mind. Maybe, it, maybe if it wasn't he saw all of his family and all of his friends, maybe it was he was laying in bed. And he's just sitting there, and I don't know if you've been there, but I've been there tons of times. And I'm just laying there, and you can't sleep. And you just have thoughts going across your mind. I can't help but think that some of those thoughts were Abraham saying, man, I'd have to, I'm going to have to give up a lot. Is it really worth it? Is, is it really worth it? And, and my dad has this saying that he's told me since I was little. He says, a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. Any of you guys ever heard that? Maybe it's an Oki saying, okay, good. I'm not alone. Okay, think about that. A bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. Abraham had a bird in the hand. He was with all of his family. He had a good life. He had position. He was known. He didn't have to go somewhere that's uncomfortable. It was familiar. But he had the bird in his hand. And it's almost as if God's that bush. And he's saying, but I have something better. I have something greater. And so often our mentality can be, you know what? But I already have this. I already have this over here, Lord. I don't want to have to give it up. I know that you're wanting me to give up something. I know that you're wanting me to leave something. I know that you're wanting me to do something. But God, I got one in the hand. And I don't want to let it go. And the reality is God has a whole bushel full of birds that he desires to give you. But you have to have faith. And Abraham chose to have faith. And if it's me or you that's put in that same position, you have to ask yourself, what I've done, what Abraham did. Verse number four. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. You see, Abraham thought, what God has for me is greater than anything that I can attain myself. And what God has for each and every individual in here is greater than anything you will ever attain for yourself. And so often, we, all we see is the loss. God, but I'll have to give up this. God, you really want me to give up my family? You really want me to give up this house? You really want me to give up this job? And sometimes God does. Because those things can hinder us from his will. And in Abram's situation, it was going to be a hindrance. And God says, you give up all this, and I will bless you beyond what you can imagine, beyond what you can fathom. So reading that, the Lord just brought several verses to my mind, commandments that He is desiring from each and every one of us to follow so that He can bless us. Number one, there's a commandment for each and every one of us in here. You can find it in Romans chapter 10, verse number 9. The Bible says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The commandment is that you have to confess. There's no option. This is the commandment. If you're going to be blessed, you have to confess each and every one of us have to come to a point in time in our life where we confess, you know what? God, you are who you said you are. You did do what you said. You came. You lived a perfect life. You died for each and every one of our sins. And if it was for me and me alone, you would have came and you would have died on that cross because that blood that was shed was for me individually. And he says, The only way that you're going to be blessed with eternal life. The only way is believing. You can't work your way. You can't make up your own way. You can't say enough good prayers. This is the only way. And if you want to be blessed through salvation, then this is what you have to do. You have to call on my name. Number two, is found in Proverbs chapter 22, verse number six. The Bible says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I'm training up some children. That's fun. It's hard. I have two that the Lord blessed me with, and I have three total. That third one, man, he's a booger. Drake, he, he is a blessing, but I tell you, I struggle with him. He's got himself a little personality, a little ornery streak. He, he gets an adorable little pouty face, but then he'll stomp those feet. Oh, it makes me so mad. When he stomps his feet, I just, there's, I'm not saying it on live stream what I want to do, but I, I get angry. And the Bible's saying if if you train up a child in the way he should go, that's the command, then when he is old, he will not depart. Is it going to be hard? Absolutely. Is it going to be worth it? Absolutely. And God's saying, if you put enough faith, if you submit to my process, then I will bless you in such a great way that when your child's old, he'll not depart. You won't have to worry about him. You won't have to worry about her. She won't depart. If you're willing to do the hard things now, then I'll bless you later. And just like Abraham didn't get to receive all those blessings at first, he had to wait. It wasn't an overnight delivery. He had to have faith first. And then God blessed him. And you're gonna have to have faith first. And then trust that God will bless you. We don't have a lot of children in here. It's Patch. Pee-wee out there. Less distractions. But we have some teenagers. I love seeing teenagers in the front. That's a great place for them to be. You have to make eye contact with me. Yeah. Ephesians 6.1 Children, obey your parents and the Lord. For this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment, Uh, With promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Yes. I remember, I didn't like, I didn't always enjoy obeying my parents. There's not something in you that's just born with, yes, everything my parents say. Yeah, especially Jaden. I can think of some things this week that his dad made him do that he did not want to do. And he's like, I really don't want to do it. I mean, he really didn't want to do some of the things. But the Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. It doesn't say when you feel like it. There are a lot of times that our children, that you young people, are not going to feel like obeying your parents. You're going to say my dad is absolutely ridiculous. You do Why would he make me do that? This is insane. My dad is extreme. These are some of the things these are some of the thoughts that I thought as a teenager. I thought my parents were unfair. I thought they were sometimes unkind. I thought they were ridiculous. The Bible doesn't say any butts in there. It says obey. And if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to set aside some thoughts that you have of them, some some things that you might even say to your friends, if you're willing to set that aside, God says, you know what, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to make your life good. And I'm going to even prolong your life. And I want to do some great things in your life. All you have to do, all you have to do is obey your parents. He will bless you in a great way. Way, if you're willing to obey. Hebrews 13, 17. This is one, this is a good one. This is a hard one. It says, Obey them that have rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch your souls, as they must give an account, that they may do it with joy, and not with grief, For that is unprofitable for you. Think about the authorities. Put in your mind the authorities that you have in your life. Some of you, it's a pastor. All of you, it's a pastor. Some of you, it's a Sunday school teacher. Some of you, it's a youth pastor, parents, a boss. Obey them have rule over you. Now it's hitting home because this is covering every single person that is in this sanctuary. Your pastor, men that stand up, staff that stands up and proclaims God's God's word and tells you things that you don't necessarily want to hear and things that you don't necessarily want to change God says you obey them for they have rule over you. And if you want to be blessed, then you have to learn to submit to your authorities. And I can't help but think that there's some, someone in here that's struggling with some authority, whether it's your pastor or your Sunday school teacher, whether it's your husband, whether it's your parents, that someone is struggling because I struggle with it. Being on staff, I still struggle with it. And I almost guarantee you, you have staff members that there'll be times that they struggle with submitting to authority. Why? Because we don't like to submit. There's nothing wrong with admitting it. There's something in us that's like, nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't want to do that. And there is going to be times that you feel your pastor's pressure. You feel like, man, I'm pretty sure Brother Jonathan is preaching right to me. He might even look at you. And he's touching on a subject that you feel like, man, this has got to be directed just at me. And the reality is your pastor is looking out for your soul because he gives an account for your soul and he doesn't want to be grieved by it. He doesn't want you to be grieved by it. And I've had to come to the realization that my pastor looks out for my soul. And there's some times that I'm not going to understand. And there's some times that I'm even maybe going to be frustrated by some of the things that he tells me that I need to do or not do. that Some standards that I need to keep or not keep. And that I'm just like, oh! It's so frustrating. You realize we don't see one single question from Abram? He didn't question what God had from him. He, you, you don't see it. You read this account and and Abram doesn't say, but God, I want to know where. But God, I want to know how long it's going to take. But God, I have all this stuff and I really don't want to leave it. No, he doesn't say but anything. He submits. And he is a great example of, you know what? I'm going to obey the authority that God has placed in my life. And it's not an easy thing, but God will bless you in such a great way. I think we can recognize those aren't the only ways in our life that we're going to have to submit. There's going to be other things that we find in our life that we're going to have to submit to. And there's going to be some times that you don't find it in the Scripture, but it's going to be that the Holy Spirit is doing a work on your life. And you guys just came through missions conference, and maybe you're struggling even right now with your faith promise uh, commitment. And you said, "Whoo!" I told God I was going to give him this. But now it's actually the rubber meets the road. Now I'm actually starting to give and things are starting to get a little tight. And I don't like when things are tight because I like the lifestyle I have. I like the comforts I have. I like being able to get Starbucks every day. Whatever it may be, I don't know. But it's a real thing that you can struggle with. And God says, you know what? You submit. Because I told you to give that amount and you committed to that amount and I will bless you in ways that you can't even imagine if you submit to that. I can't help but pray and think. I know your pastor shared with me that he is he desires that this church start another church. Maybe it's in someone that's in here that God's dealing with your heart and he's convicting you and he's saying, you know what? You already know. I want you in the ministry. And you're like, "Uh, you're talking to my neighbor? I hope you're talking to my neighbor. Please don't be talking to me. God, do do you understand what I have to give up? Do you? I don't know what anyone has to give up in here. I'm a stranger. But God knows what you'd have to give up. Maybe it's that God just wants to see if you're willing. Maybe God's just saying, you know what? I want to see what you're willing to give up. Are you willing to give up anything for me? Any convenience? Some it could be, are you willing to give up everything? You know, I I think about being a a teenager and all the hopes and dreams I had as a teenager. I mean... I'm not going to lie. I I thought I could play college basketball. (laughs) How ridiculous is that? Five foot six, ain't happening. It was a dream. At one point, I wanted to be a police officer. It was a dream of mine. And there's nothing wrong with having dreams. But the Bible does say, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And the name of our youth group at Bible Baptist is First Claim. And it doesn't just represent that this should just be for teenagers, but it should be for everyone. That says, you know what? Whatever circumstance comes into my life, I want to give God the first claim. I'm going to seek him first. And for me, that's a struggle sometimes. To always put through that lens of seeking God first. So how does that, what does that look like? Well, teenagers, you can ask God, God, I'm going to seek you first. I'm going to ask you before I make my own plans, do you have anything for me, God? Do you want me to do anything for you? Because I'm here. I'm willing That's what he wants. Seek ye first. And he says, if you do that, if you submit and you obey, then I will bless. And the beautiful thing about submission is God only wants to do it so he can bless you. Think about that. God only wanted Abram to do it so he could bless him. And we looked at the different ways that God blessed Abram. And God told Abram the different ways he was going to bless him. We don't have that luxury. I don't know how God wants to bless me. But I know that God will bless me if I submit. So I just want to bring you back to that very first statement I said and challenge you to think about submitting to whatever it is that the Lord is speaking to your heart about right now. I trust that his spirit is working and that he is talking to you about something, whether it be a standard, whether it be your giving, whether it be your life, whatever it is, I truly believe the Lord has touched your heart in one area. I want to challenge you, deal with it. Deal with it tonight. Because it's easy to get all excited in a service, all amped up like I'm sure Abram probably was right after the Lord told him how he was going to bless him. But if you don't deal with it now, then the likelihood is you'll go home and you'll let it slide and you'll forget about it or you'll let it slip. So let me challenge you with that tonight. If you all would stand, we'll have a word of prayer and the pianist will come. We'll have a time of invitation. And and if the Lord has spoken to your heart, I just challenge you, just deal with what the Lord speaks to you about. Father, I come before you just grateful to be in a house with people that care about you. Lord, and I trust that in some way you spoke to your people. You did a work in their heart or in their minds and you highlighted an area in their life that you desire to see change or you desire to see growth, Lord. And I ask that your people would deal with it as you see fit. Lord, that if there is anyone in here that hasn't confessed with their mouth and believed in their heart that you are God, Lord, that they would do that tonight. That they would come and settle that once and for all, Lord. So we love you and we just ask that you would use this invitation as you see fit. We ask this in your name. Amen. If you would just keep your head bowed and your eyes closed and if the Lord has dealt with you I just ask that you would do business with him